Hey there, York Alliance. It is Tuesday, October 24th. This is Pastor Asa with you for one more week of podcasts. I'm excited for this. Uh, Pastor Brian and his family will be returning this week, uh, so he'll be back in the saddle um, later on, uh, later portion of this week and preaching next Sunday, so I'm excited to have him back. So we are in the Preaching the Gospel series, if you haven't been with us lately. Uh, in the first couple of weeks, we were talking about what is the gospel and what is not the gospel, which are really important things to talk about when you're going to preach something. You might as well know what it is and what it's not. Uh, and we also looked at some nuts and bolts. We started last week to talk about the hospitality and how that could be a way to preach the gospel. And this week, we are looking at what it means, what it actually means to preach the gospel. Uh, sometimes uh, we think we, it, it's all on us and it's all our responsibility and we, we forget, or maybe we just don't know, that preaching the gospel is something that Jesus is already doing to this world and for this world. And he's simply asking us to join him in that process. We don't have to make it up. Uh, it's God doing the work, and he chooses to involve us out of love for us, which is really cool. He involves us in his plan to redeem and restore this world, which is awesome. So it really is a perspective shift. It's not so much learning new information, it's taking things that we wouldn't otherwise know to be true and putting them together and saying, okay, yeah, we're going we're gonna to think differently about preaching the gospel, about evangelism. Uh, so we're going to start off this week of podcasts with a case study from the life of Paul. It's going to be actually in Acts chapter 18, uh, verses 1 through 11, so I'm going to read it and then give a few thoughts on it. Uh, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook, off, shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Tedious Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So right off the bat here, we see Paul uh, getting into the city, getting into Corinth, which was not like a, a, a very moral town. It was like a, it was a trading, a, a, like a port city, and a lot of trade going on, a lot of different people coming and going, and you know, Corinth was not known to be a very moral place. In fact, if you were an immoral person, uh, some people might refer to you as a Corinthian. Uh, that was just part of what it was to, uh, to be in that city. Uh, so anyways, Paul was there, and I want to point out that it starts off in the normal rhythms of life is where Paul is joining God. He's working his job as a, as a tent maker. In Corinth, he, he decided to do that as opposed to be uh, financially supported by the church. Other areas, he did it differently, but in Corinth, he decided to 
um, work uh, at his day job, so to speak. And, uh, you know, in the Sabbath time, uh, he, as he would normally go, he was Jewish, so of course it was just a natural rhythm of life to go to the synagogue. And that's where he reasoned uh, with the Jews and tried to show that the Christ, this chosen one, the one that they're looking for, has come in the person, the God-man, Jesus. And so I want, I want to kind of point that out, that the way that we uh, join God is in the normal rhythms of life. I mean, God knows where you're at, right? He knows uh, your rhythms of life. He knows what you're doing, what you're not doing. He knows what you're involved in, where you live, learn, work, and play, so to speak. And so uh, because he's aware of that, he also knows whose path is going to cross with your path. Uh, and so that's keeping an eye out is a huge way of joining God, just, just opening your eyes, opening your ears to what's around you in your normal life. Uh, but specifically, you see that uh, he went to the synagogue and was reasoning with them. That would be a normal practice that you would have these conversations at the synagogue. And he was, uh, actually God was already working through him to redirect, to invite, to pull these Jewish folks towards himself, towards the kingdom of God. Uh, now, they rejected it. But does that mean that God was not working? Well, no, it definitely does not mean that. God was working, uh, it, just that they decided to work against him. And we'll talk about that in a, another podcast this week of, you know, what's the difference between God not working and people's decision to not uh, accept God's invitation, not to respond to him. So those, there's a difference there. We'll talk about more uh, that more later on uh, this week. But God was uh, joining uh, I'm sorry, Paul was joining God in reaching out to the Jews. Now, I will have a side note here. When you see Paul's uh, response, he said, your blood be on your own heads, I'm innocent of you, All right? Uh, there's a seriousness that comes along with preaching the gospel. So if Paul you know, made his attempts to preach the gospel, to join God in that work, uh, and the, his blood is not on, their blood is not on his head, so by logic, if he did not join God in that preaching of the gospel to them, then their blood would be on his head. And it's talking about responsibility. That's kind of the idea here. Uh, so when we choose to not engage in uh, preaching the gospel and joining in what God's already doing, there's a level of responsibility on us. Now, this is not a guilt trip by any means. It's really just gaining a larger perspective uh, of what it means to follow Jesus. Part of being a disciple of Jesus is loving other people well uh, and by following God's prompting and God, what God's already doing in, in inviting them into the, God, into the kingdom of God, the gospel. So uh, really the quintessential way to love someone is to preach the gospel, right? It's to love God and to love others uh, is Almost one of the best and most efficient ways of doing that is through preaching the gospel. You're honoring God by sharing his story, testifying to his goodness in your life, and you're loving other people because their life from now echoing into eternity is dependent on what they do with the message of the good news of Jesus. So that is a really good way of, of showing love. And all of this, because, uh, you know, you know I have to say this, <laughs> is because God first loved you. So if God loves you, which he does, then you have what you need to follow God, to accept this responsibility of, of uh, preaching that gospel to others. I'm speaking that same thing to myself. Each of us have, have this 
the, the, this, this very significant uh, task, this responsibility to, to preach the gospel. Um, but I also want to say, so after, the, uh, after the synagogue situation, you see that Paul noticed the next-door neighbor who was a worshiper of God, tedious justice. So and again, Paul has his eyes open, his ears open, understands that God is already working in some way in this guy's life, and then he goes over to his house, and presumably they have conversations with the synagogue ruler, Crispus, and presuming that, that they come to faith. Right? So God is working still, even the next-door neighbors. And then after that, I love how at the end of all, both of these situations, that's when Jesus steps in and gives him the vision and says, hey, look, I have uh, many people in this city. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. Go on speaking. Uh, this is, is, I love this because Jesus is saying, look, I'm joining with you as you join with me. So there's this kind of mutual abiding or this mutual uh, joining and then he says, look, I have many people in this city who are, my, who are mine. Probably people who don't yet know him at that present moment, but that in the next year and a half, Paul would then reach out to with the gospel. Paul and his, uh, his friends would reach out to, uh, to uh, invite them into the kingdom, to join God in that work. And I look at this and say, man, how many people are there in this county, in York County, in, in your spheres of influence, in my spheres of influence, that God says, look, I have people, I'm already doing work in their life, and I want you to join me, and I will be with you. I will join you. We will be with each other as we do this work. Uh, for me, that's encouraging. That is saying, look, the pressure is not on me to do it. Jesus is already doing the work. There's already people here who uh, are his, and he's, and God is simply asking me to walk alongside of him and uh, preach the gospel and, and testify to what God has done in my own life. So I pray that you will uh, receive afresh this love uh, with which God first loved you and that you and I in turn would join Jesus in his mission to love other people well. Hope you have a great day and I'll be with you tomorrow.